Bible out, get it open, get something to write with. I'm going to need a bulletin just for a moment. I'm going to start there, and then I'm going to, I'm going to talk about the sermon this morning, and we're going to do some things together. Uh, next Sunday, while you're getting all the good, next Sunday, I have another confession to make. I don't know if y'all get tired of me doing that, but I have another confession to make. I feel it's only right to let you know that I am an imperfect soul making mistakes. I have told you before that I'm a sinner. I have told you that I am a hypocrite. Both are true. And they should make you at ease in hearing that I don't like that about myself. And I don't like that about you either. Because you are too. That said, I find peace in the grace and the forgiveness of God so that he demands that I extend that to you as well. And I would hope you would extend it to me. Now that we're on the same page, I must confess that there are certain things my Lord Jesus Christ tells me to do as his disciple that are easy to say but hard to do. I wrote some of those down. Over the next few weeks, I'd like to explore a few of those. I make no promises or accommodating theology. In other words, I'm not going to make you feel good about doing a hard thing. It's a hard thing. Nor am I going to make you promises for a franchised list of how to actually do these hard things. I will be honest. I will base each lesson on Holy Scripture. And I will do my will do my best to be practical in those applications. If you want to add to my list, I'd be happy to extend the series. So as I go through this and kind of preview, you go, you know, this is hard for me as a Christian. Write it down, hand it to me. I don't mind addressing that. I find it hard, for instance, to reconcile with a brother or sister in the church. I find it hard to wager that the resurrection was real. I find it hard to confess sins before the church. I find it hard to share the gospel with someone. I find it hard to admit my mother was right. Don't tell her that. I find it hard to forgive someone when they don't ask or care if I, if I give it. I find it hard to forgive myself for past regrets and repeated sins. Notice I didn't say it was impossible. And notice that I didn't say that I don't do them. But they are, as the sermon series says, easy to say and hard to do at times. This brings us to today's lesson. If you're in Matthew chapter 5, verse 43 and 44, Jesus tells us as his disciples, he said, You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Love your enemies. In the children's book, Stand Tall, Molly Lou Mellon, Molly is different. That has never mattered before. And then a bully picks on Molly the very first day of school because of the things that make her different. Instead of taking the taunting, Molly knows how to stand up for herself. It's a preschool book. 
but it's a way to open up a conversation about how to handle something like bullying. Bullying. Being teased. Make your enemy your friend. Sounds nice, but most people shrink into self-pity before their enemies. Most people snipe from the safety of social media. Most people just walk around being miserable. I know, because that's me. That's you. That's not Jesus. And he equips us to make a difference, to be strong, and to prove that we can be God's children. All of us can be God's children. I want to do this a little differently today if I can, so pay attention. Okay? I know everybody kind of got settled in. Pay attention. Here's what I want you to do. I'd like everyone under the age of 20 to get your Bibles. You're under the age of 20. That's the 2, the 0, and you're under the age of 20. All right. I want you to get your Bibles, and I want you to look up and camp out on Romans 12, starting in verse 17. Romans 12. So I'll give you time to look it up. If you're there, look it up. Get to Romans 12. Hold your Bible open. Put your hand right on it. I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. I'd like everyone under the age of 50. Everyone under the age of 50. I want you to look up and camp out this way. If you're a man and you're under the age of 50, I want you to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 48. If you're a woman and you're under the age of 50, and I know that fits everybody else. If you're a woman and you're under the age of 50, please be in Luke chapter 6, verses 27 through 36. To everybody else who is proud to be a grandparent. <laughs> By the way, she's doing great. All right. Um, I want you to be in Micah 7, verses 7 through 10. Let me show you how this works. The reason I do that is that as I make each point, I want you to look at your verses. Okay, I'll, I'll point you to the normal one and want you to look at. All I ask you to do is if I'm making that point and you see it in your text, I want you to raise your hand. Let's practice for a moment. If I'm in Romans 12 and verse 17 and I say something, everybody who's in Romans 12 verse 17, raise your hand. There you go. There you go. Good. Now, if you're in Matthew chapter 5 verse 43, I should see some hands. Yes? There you go. If you're in Luke chapter 6 verse 27, you should raise your hand. There you go. Okay. If you're in Micah chapter 7, Micah, not Malachi, but Micah, okay, you should be there. Okay, good. Now, that way I should see some hands popping as we get to that. You're going to be looking for, I'm going to be telling you the meaning. You need to be looking for the words. Sometimes they'll be the same. Some of us are in different translations. I came from the English Standard Version and sometimes the New American Standard. You may have a different translation. That's okay. You're looking for the word that means that, that same thing. First, who are we talking about? Who is my enemy? The prophet Micah points out that that is someone in Micah 7 and verse 8 who finds joy in my falling down or my living in a dark place. My enemy is someone who jeers at me. Where is the Lord your God? That's my enemy. Someone who makes fun of me. 
Luke records Jesus saying that enemies are people who, in verse 27 and 29, in Luke 6, they curse you, they hate you, they criticize, insult you, they hit you, they take things from you without permission. They are, verses 34 and 35, they are ungrateful and evil people. That's my enemy. Matthew's gospel, Jesus says simply in verses 44 and 45, there are people who persecute you and they are unfair or unjust. How does a person become so awful? If you look across all those scriptures, how does a person become so awful? Let me show you a portrait of an enemy. You want to put your finger there and look at 1 Kings chapter 16, verses 31 through 33. I want to introduce you to a woman that you know, but haven't really met. And her name is Jezebel. You ever heard that word before? Jezebel? 16 and verse 31 says, He married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Sidonians, and went to serve Baal and worshipped him. So he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal, which he built in Samaria. Ahab also made the Asherah. Thus Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel than all the kings of Israel who were before him. Jezebel. You're looking there. She rejected God. She preferred to worship the Baal and the Asherah. So she rejected God, choosing to serve Baal. Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter 12 and verse 45, it says, then he goes, this, this evilness, this rejection of God, it goes and takes along with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself. And they go in and live there. And the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. That is the way it will be also with this evil generation. Jezebel was part of what is known as an evil generation. People who reject God and bring others with them. Second of all, she loved evil's darkness. The worship of Baal and Asherah is a, is a pagan cult, but she loved evil's darkness. First Kings chapter 18 and verse 3, it says Jezebel killed the prophets of the Lord. So not only did she hate the good and the right, but she, she loved evil's darkness. Jesus said in John chapter 3 verses 19 and 20, he says people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. And then she attacked the revival of God. First Kings chapter 19, Elijah has done this mountain thing where he's called the prophets of Baal and defeated them. And God has shown his power and the people are turning back to God. And Jezebel says in First Kings chapter 19 verses 1 and 2, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done. Now he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to, to Elijah saying, So may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. She threatened his life. Now, you have an enemy who loves darkness, rejects God, attacks any revival that goes on. What do you do with that? I'm going to tell you what most of us do. We act just like Elijah. Get there and camp out in 2 Kings chapter 19. I'll tell you three things quickly. First of all, Elijah wanted to run away and hide. And when you face an enemy, somebody who's taunting you, somebody who's making fun of you, somebody who's bullying you, when you face something like that, the first reaction, 19 and verse 4, is that you want to run away and hide. Secondly, he sat in self-pilling. 
self-pity, feeling hopeless and helpless. He says, I have been faithful and I have stood up for you, Lord, but you know, they killed the prophets and there's no one to remaining but me. Chapter 19 and verse 10. And yes, you will sit lonely, feeling helpless and hopeless and self-pity, thinking my enemies are too strong and I fear for my life and there's nowhere to go and no place and no help to get. But in 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 15 through 20, he listened to God, he got up, and he stayed faithful. Now, don't read that backwards. Because that's a recipe for disaster. You want to talk about a toxic faith? Because a lot of people do that. They leave church and they'll say, that church was toxic because they, all they wanted to do is make you do things. I had to be, had the list checked off. That's what we're talking about. You're doing it backwards. You're trying to stay faithful, get up and listen to God. Listen to God first. Then get up so that you can remain faithful. You've got to put the cart and horse in the right in the right in the right place. That's my enemy. That's how I feel. That's the struggle that I'm going against. Okay? And that's who I am. Secondly, what are we to do about our enemies? That's what you want to know. If you say love your enemies, Lord, what are you talking about? Let's begin with the prophet Micah. The prophet Micah says in 7 and verse 7 of Micah. Look and wait for God to show me the way. He is my light, and he will show me the way. Because seven, verses 7 and 8, he hears my cries and shines a light on my problems. In verse 9 of Micah 7, he finds a way to lead me to justice, or to be fair, to a place that's fair. He shows me to be right, or leads me to righteousness, and he makes me free. He justifies me. Luke chapter 6, verses 35 and 36, and Matthew chapter 5, verses 46 and 47, Jesus tells us to do good and lend to them without expectation. To be kind and merciful when, they have the, when we have the opportunity. Wish them blessings while praying for them. You're saying, wow, you just kind of got away from me there on that one. I didn't say this, Jesus did. Which leads the early church, the early Christians in Romans chapter 12, verses 17 through 21. We read this. How, what am I going to do as a Christian? I live in this place where there are all these enemies. He says, repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink, for by doing so you will heap burning coals on his head. I find great comfort in that. This is a sidebar. If I can be kind to my enemy, I just picture those burning coals on their head. You know what I'm talking about? This kind of gives me some kind of sick satisfaction, I guess. I don't know. Why do we have to do that? No one else does. 
Everybody else gets revenge. Everybody else just runs away and hides. Everybody else just, you know, hopes it gets better and it doesn't. So why do we have to love our enemy? No one else does. That's a good question. And it would seem to many then and now as a fool's errand. But Micah chapter 7 and verse 10 says, Loving your enemy shames them. There's a point in our history as Americans where I take you back to 1965 on a March day where people were trying to cross a bridge to talk about everybody being equal. And the authorities let loose attack dogs. And the whole world then was made aware of the cruelty and the hate that existed in that place at that time. And they responded, calling out those people doing that to stop and for people to become equal. It shamed them. It shamed them. It also says it defeats them. You look at uh, chapter 7 and verse 10. It says it's like stomping on mud in the street. Wow. All right. It also says it, it proves them wrong. Because God is near to us and helps us. What I'm saying is it's the bigger picture when you're suffering. I'm a part of a bigger picture. You may be my enemy now. You may be making me suffer now. You may be bullying or, or taunting or scoffing at me now. But I know the big picture. The big picture is I look at the end and God wins. And I'm a part of that picture. You, my friend, or you, my enemy, are mud in the streets. That's where you're going to end up if you don't find Jesus. Matthew chapter 5 and verse 48 and Luke chapter 6 and verse 36 point to Jesus saying in essence by loving our enemies we are God's people his children acting as if I can borrow a word as his ambassadors by comparison Bill Stilwell chronicles six attacks on U.S. embassies starting back in 1900 in China six attacks on U.S. embassies and he concludes this way. He says, The foreign service of the United States in foreign countries isn't all handshakes, ribbon cuttings, and talk. The people dedicated to improving relations with other countries while advancing U.S. foreign policy inherently put themselves at risk. I have only to mention Tehran in the 1970s where over 60 people were taken hostage to tell you that an ambassador is not someone who has it safe. Saying that we exist as the church of Jesus Christ, much like God's embassy of grace. That's how you see this. We are his embassy of grace. And in doing so, we put ourselves at risk before the enemies of God's invitation to salvation. And yet we are commissioned by our king, our ruler, to be imitators of God, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 1. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says God will repay or take vengeance upon our enemies. So we are, verse 21 of chapter 12, to overcome evil with good, which Luke chapter 6 and verse 35 tells us that his reward is for us. You get the big picture now? We have enemies. We will suffer. We know their fate, but we know ours.
Tammy's friend, Lucy, always reminds me, she says, Scott, everybody has a soul. And I have to agree that my enemies have a soul. And that soul needs salvation. And in my own way, probably more than most, I would think, because they're my enemies. I have not promised insulation from the attacks my enemies make upon me. I signed up for this. I chose to be Christ's ambassador, serving at the embassy of his church. And so did you. I will keep a bigger picture in mind of the fate of those who oppose the plan of God and see me as their enemy. Like Jezebel, they reject God and his people. So I refuse to walk in the company of those who reject God. Secondly, they lead people into sin. I cannot support such action out of respect and love for God and my fellow man. I can't hate people and disrespect them that way or use them for those ends. Understand that the enemies of God if they remain the enemies of God, will die horribly. 2 Kings chapter 9, verses 35-37, through it says of Jezebel, the enemy of God's people, that after she was eaten by wild dogs, that they went to bury her, and they found no more of her than the skull and the feet and the palms of her hands. When they came back and told him, he said, This is the word of the Lord, which he spoke by his servant Elijah the Tishbite. In the territory of Jezreel, the dogs shall eat the flesh of Jezebel, and the corpse of Jezebel shall be as dung on the face of the field of the territory of Jezreel, so that no one can say, this is Jezebel. Rather graphic, isn't it? Rather graphic. That's what happens to the enemies of God. They will become no more... The enemies of God will become no more than an example of the fate of those who oppose God and persecute His people. In the last book of your Bible, in Revelation chapter 2, verses 20-23, it says, And there is Jezebel who calls herself a prophetess and is teaching and seduceing my servants to practice sexual immorality and to eat food sacrificed to idols. I gave her time to repent, but she refuses to repent of her sexual immorality. Behold, I will throw her onto a sick bed, and those who commit adultery with her, I will throw into great tribulation, unless they repent of her works. And I will strike her children dead, and all the churches will know that I am he who searches mind and heart, and I will give to each of you according to your works. Again, Brother Graffin, these are the people who oppose God. These are the people who are your enemies. That's what happens to them. Unless they turn to Jesus. But I want to be like Elijah. I want to be the ambassador in God's embassy like Elijah. I will suffer Shakespeare's handling laments, the slings and arrows of outrageous fortunes. I will remain faithful while being vulnerable. They can taunt me all day long. Where is your God now? And I'm just going to smile and say, He's right behind you. He's in control. You are in his hands. 
I will live in the spirit of God, Luke chapter 1 and verse 17 tells me. I will endure death, but share eternity with God. Listen to what happened to Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse 11. And as they still went on and talked, behold, chariots of fire and horses of fire separated the two of them. And Elijah went up by a whirlwind into heaven. I have a promise of eternal life. I will outlive that situation. I will outlive my enemies. I will outlive the wrath of God because he will protect me and take me to his heaven. Love your enemies? Easy to say, hard to do. But understanding who they are and understanding where they're headed and knowing that I'm the only thing that stands between them and a terrible fate. I can deal with them and share with them the good news. If it is rejected, it is their decision. But if it is accepted, then they can become my friend and a friend of God. As a Christian, I send you out this week to love your enemy. Like I said, it's hard. And I can't give you three easy steps to do it. I will tell you this, Jesus commands it, and I will do my best to give it my best for this world. Today you may need to respond to God's invitation. You need to do so, whether you ask for prayer, to be baptized, or we need help you in some way. If you come to the front and make your name known today, we stand.